Worried or anxious about something today? Consider this from Pastor Ed Taylor. Worry and anxiety is a control issue. (laughs) You go, what do you mean, Ed? Well, think about the things you worry about. Think about the things that you're anxious about even right now. Aren't they over things of which you have no control? No control. Because if you did have control, you'd work the situation out the way that you want it. And why would you worry about something you think you have control over? So how does God redeem worry and anxiety in our lives? First of all, it draws us to him in prayer, draws us to him in dependence and humility, and then it also reminds us that there is one in control, not you. And then you place your faith in the one that does control. This is amazing grace. Glad you could start the week off with us and welcome to Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor will be in Hebrews chapter 11, where we've been for quite some time. Abraham is one of the greatest examples of faith in the Bible, and there are quite a few things we can learn from his life that will serve to encourage and help us follow God. Like, it's possible to live a holy life in an ungodly environment, and we can replace our anxiety with trust in God. Here's Pastor Ed with part two of By Faith, Abraham Obeyed God. Abram has some connection to God. And as he grows, it's amazing. It's amazing because the Bible says that Abraham was a friend of God. That's a pretty cool relation. To, to think of the God of all creation is a friend. You can jot it down in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 7. It says, Abraham is his friend forever. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 8, God speaking through Isaiah, Abraham, my friend. James chapter 2, verse 23 says, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. So come back with me now to Hebrews chapter 11, and let's learn a few things starting in verse 8 about Abraham that will encourage us and help us to follow God in our own lives stirring up faith for us, helping us to obey and live out just like Abraham did. Notice in verse 8 it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to the place that he would afterward receive as an inheritance. Now we just learned in Genesis chapter 12, the call of Abraham was, Get up to a place I'll tell you. Get up to a place I'll tell you. Listen, if God spoke to you and you heard God's voice clearly say this to you, Get up to a place that I will tell you. Don't you think that somewhere along the way, you would say to God, where? Yes or no? I hope yes. I think I would. You're going to show me where? I said, I'll show you. Where? I said, I'll show you. When will you show me? And you can just hear God says, get up and go. If you want. If you want. One of the things we learn about Abraham is Abraham did not let the lack of knowledge stop him from obeying God. I wonder if someone's listening to me today that's justifying and excusing their disobedience because you lack knowledge. 
It's a natural thing. It, it's not necessarily a good thing, but it's a natural thing. I mean, some of you, you would be really happy if God showed you the rest of your life. God, would you just show me the rest of my life? Who will I marry? Where will I live? What are my kids? Give me just laid out. Just Well, maybe not the rest, just the next 10 years. What's the next 10 years? And you think in your mind that if God would reveal to you the next 10 years, life would be easier. Listen, you don't want to know the next 10 years. It will wreck your faith. You're wanting to live by facts, but God wants you to live by faith. And remember this, facts always follow faith. It's not that God doesn't want to reveal things to you, but he's going to reveal them to you at the appropriate time, his timing. Like, let's just say that God said to you, here you are, I'm going to give you the next year, 365 days in a year. So God says to you, and he writes you a letter, sends it to you, gets in the mail, you open it up, and it says, I'm God, and I'm telling you. And, 300 and on the 321st day from today, it's going to be the worst day of your life. Do you know that's going to wreck you every day? You're not going to be happy. You're going, to be, you're going to spend 320 days trying to avoid that one day. You're, and if God says, well, it's going to happen uh, right here in Aurora at the Safeway, you're going to make sure on that day you're on a plane to Uruguay. Like, you're out of here. Because then you think, oh, I can. And you'll just be consumed with that bad day. You don't live by facts. You live by faith. You don't really want to know the future because it will wreck your faith relationship with God. So what does God do? God says, leave to a place I'll show you. Just leave to a place I'll show you. And you say, show me the place, and God says, leave. You say, show me, God says, leave. God says, you know, we want to take all the steps at once. You know, we want to take all the steps at once. But like Pastor Chuck has taught my pastor, my pastor taught me, I get to teach you now. Listen, there is no second step until you take the first step. <laughs> You'll never know. What's the second, third, fourth step? Take the first one. Take the first one. Take the first one, God will reveal the second one. That's called progressive revelation. And that is the entirety of your life and mine. That's why daily devotions are so important in our lives, because God's revealing his will one day at a time. He's revealing his heart one day at a time. He's speaking to us one day at a time. And like Abraham, he left, even though he didn't know where he was going. And we need to learn how to obey even though we don't know how it's going to turn out. We need to learn how to obey not for the end result, but for the mere joy of being right with God and being a friend of God, no matter how it turns out. As I've often shared with my kids, this is how I raise my kids, and this is how I, I pastor. I, I, I told my kids growing up, I would rather have the consequences of obedience than the consequences of disobedience any day of the week because I've experienced both. And I would rather have the consequences, whatever they might be, for doing the right thing, the right way, God's way, and whatever it is, just put it all on the table and, and this is the way it is, than to avoid, to sin, to compromise, and have to deal with all the things and consequences of sin. So we need to learn from Abraham here that when God calls and when God says something, he wants us to obey right away. And from that day forward, the entirety of Abraham's life was one of trusting God day by day, by faith. Let me show you something else. Verse 9. It says, By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a foreign country. He dwelt in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Abraham was a sojourner. We don't use that word very much. He was a wanderer. 
He didn't put his roots down deep anywhere. Why? Well, the verse 10 tells us he had an eternal perspective. He was waiting for the city which has foundations, who builder and maker is God. He, he was sojourning, trusting God, moment by moment, relying upon him because he had eternity in mind. He, he wasn't stuck or ripped off by what we call in our country the American dream. And we spend your whole life getting the American dream, whatever that is to you, and then once you get it, you find out it's not that big a deal. And now you look back on your life and you go, what did I do with my life? I chased the buck. I chased the career. I chased the possessions. I chased everything else, but I didn't chase the Lord. Do you know the Bible says in Psalm 119 that we're to run over the course of his commandments. The idea is chase after him, that this is a race, that we're to run that lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily traps us so we can run our race with joy. And instead, we get caught up in things that are not eternal. And Abraham gives us the example that he just recognized that he was not a permanent resident of earth. He recognized that it changed his life. And until you recognize that, your life will remain unchanged. Until you recognize that everything you do here on earth, whatever career you're in, however much money you make, whatever car you drive, whatever house, neighborhood, doesn't, whatever it is, has to come second to the call of God on your life. It all has to be from the Lord and to the Lord. He's gonna spread you out like he has in all different areas of facets of society. From firefighters to police officers, to CEOs, to business owners, to stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home dad, like all oh, the whole gamut of God spreading us out. But it's for his glory, not just your bank account, not just your 401k, not just your status in the community. If God has given you status in the community, it's for the gospel. <laughs> it's so that people will come to you and respect you for what you do so that they, in that trust that they have with you, you can share the love of Jesus with them. You can serve them in Jesus' name. Abraham had this sense living by faith. And by the way, you know, when we are so worried about the future and we're so tethered to this world and even in like Abraham, lacking knowledge, lacking knowledge, we have to learn, Abraham refused. He refused to allow the lack of knowledge. He refused to allow the lack of details. He refused to allow the lack of information trouble his mind. He wasn't like Martha, who was troubled and worried about many things, Jesus said. He, he was confident that even with whatever information he had, he was going to go forward by faith. And you know, for us, Unfortunately, we often allow the lack of knowledge, the lack of information to trouble our hearts and minds. There's actually a word for that. You know what it is? Worry and anxiety. And we're filled in a very worrisome, anxious world. I know of which I speak because this is one of the areas of my flesh. I worry. And you know one of the things we learned from Abraham? Worry and anxiety is a faith issue. It's a faith issue. Now, I'm not saying that there may not be some physiological thing in your brain, because newsflash, we were all born with broken brains. <laughs> it just works out different ways. You go, what do you mean, Ed? We were all born in sin. None of us have a perfect way of thinking. None of us have a perfect way of doing things. We're all being redeemed. Our physical bodies are being redeemed so that we will then usher into the presence of God, shed our earthly bodies, and get our new bodies. 
And until then, we've got to deal with the effects of sin. For some of you, the effects of sin has made you a worrier, has made you a person that's anxious all the time. But the Bible teaches us that worry at its root is a faith issue because when you are trusting God in that moment, you are not worrying. And if you trust God in two moments, you're not worrying in two moments. And when you cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you, you're not worrying. You can't do both of those at the same time. So that means if you're a worrier and you're anxious all the time, you're lacking faith, trusting God. Now, on a practical level, let me say this. Worry and anxiety is a control issue. <laughs> you go, what do you mean, Ed? Well, think about the things you worry about. Think about the things that you're anxious about even right now. Aren't they over things of which you have no control? No control. Because if you did have control, you'd work the situation out the way that you want it. And why would you worry about something you think you have control over? So how does God redeem worry and anxiety in our lives? First of all, it draws us to him in prayer, draws us to him in dependence and humility, and then it also reminds us that there is one in control, not you. And then you place your faith in the one that does control. You know, we often say this, and I, I gotta get it right this service because I blew it first service, but we often say this phrase, and it's true. We don't know what the future holds, but we do know who holds the future. Whichever side you hold on to is either worry and anxiety, we don't know what the future holds, or faith, I know who holds the future. Abraham teaches us that you can trust God even when you don't know what the future holds. And it's wise to trust God because faith will lead to action even into the unknown, even in what's before you. Abraham he was a person that knew what it was like to follow God. I was reading on this recently and jotted down in Matthew chapter six, Jesus teaches us about worry. He says multiple times, I think six times, he tells us in Matthew six, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. I'm gonna provide for you, I'm gonna take care of you. But I was reading on this and I found an interesting statistic about fog. We don't get too much fog in Colorado and California it used to be every morning, foggy morning, couldn't see very far ahead. But check this out. Did you know that fog that covers eight blocks, like a fog that would cover eight city blocks contains 60 trillion droplets of water? Now it made me think, who counted that? But anyway, like 60 trillion droplets of water, which to me is amazing. But if you gathered those trillion droplets of water together, they would amount to a half a cup of water. Just a half a cup. Look at the damage that half a cup of water can do when it's spread out over eight blocks and blinding your vision. Because fog is pretty dangerous. It's, it's sort of like a snowfall at night. You know, it's pretty dangerous. It kind of disorients you. You don't really see too far ahead. You can only see all the 3D-ness of, of the snow falling and the same with the fog. And I learned the hard way, no high beams in the snow. Did you know that? Don't try it. Just take my word for it. It's not good. It gets you all dizzy and all messed up and you're like, man, it took me one time. The other thing I learned when I, that was the first year I moved here. The other thing I learned the first year, that when you put your brakes on in the snow, your car doesn't stop the same way as when it's not snowing. And I remember spinning out in the middle of a, in my little Sentra, sprinting out in the middle of an intersection, scared, scared. But when I let some half cup of something spread across my life to blind my thoughts, to shut down my trust, 
When I'm laid up, up late at night fretting and worrying and not sleeping over an issue, that's when Jesus says to us, son, daughter, don't worry. It's just a half a cup. I've got it all taken care of. You know, I happen to be married to a woman that doesn't worry about anything. And can I just say publicly right now, that's not right. <laughs> Nothing troubles her. I do enough worrying in our family for all of us. But she inspires me. You need somebody that in your life that doesn't worry, they can speak into your life. Oh, you go, I don't like talking to them because they're always telling me not to worry. That's what you need to hear. We need to hear and see, not only hear, but see God's strength. It's not just her constitution. It's not just her makeup, although that's part of it. It's also her steadfast faith in God and her trust that no matter what, I'm always thinking, oh, what about this? And how about here? And what if this happens? And, and she's like, hey, look, Ed, Dad, just eat your dinner, man. Like, I'm worried that you won't eat your dinner. See, you're worrying. No, I'll eat it. Don't worry. Or, you know, I'm up sleepless night. What were you up for? You know, she sleeps. I'm up. Oh, I'm tossing and turning. And she's just sound asleep, sound asleep. Wake up in the morning. What were you worried about? Well, you know, whatever. You got to sleep and I'm all. It's like, you should sleep too. You don't understand me. You don't understand me. But she does. And you need people like that in your life. Abraham's sojourn, he learned, learned not to, to not have to have every single answer in order to trust God. He learned that this world was not his home. He learned that his citizenship was in heaven first. We forget that. We get caught up in the now. We get choked and strangled by the now. We, we get taken away by the now. We learned that Abraham was a pilgrim. And a pilgrimage is a vocation, not a vacation. It is your life. It, it is what God wants to do in your life. It's not just a title. It's not just another word. It, it is what God is doing in your life. We need to keep that in view. Which he says to finally in verse 10, he waited for the city. Waiting is not passive. It's active. He was urgent. The idea of the text here is he was urgently waiting. He was expecting. He wanted. He looked forward. He knew it was coming. He wanted to be in that eternal city that God made, that God designed. We know that today is heaven. But there's also going to be a physical city. Heaven and earth will pass away. Listen, what you're into right now will pass away. Whatever new technology you have is going away and something new is coming. Whatever happened, you just bought a brand new car, you're so excited, isn't that great? It smells so good, it will stink soon enough. Someone will scratch it. I, I just, I, I always trip out on you guys that park, and I don't know if it's you, it's not personal, but somewhere, somewhere, that take up two spaces for your brand new car. You can't have two spaces. Your car's going to get scratched. It's going to get dinged. It's going to get bumped. It's going to happen all before you pay it off. It's just a car. And it's not going to last forever. But you share the gospel with someone, that seed of the gospel will last eternally in their heart. They'll have to, they refuse God the rest of their life, they're going to have to answer for the seed of the gospel and your love and your care for them. They're going to have to answer for your service of them. They're going to have to answer, why didn't you respond? Why didn't you go? Why didn't you listen before God? And you wondering about the will of God for your life right now? Let me say this, because a lot of people wonder, what's the will of God for my life? I don't know what the will of God for my life. Listen, if you're not in rank rebellious sin right now, then here's the answer. Wherever you are and whatever you're doing in this moment is God's will for your life. That's God's will. Whatever you are and whatever you're doing, if you're not in rank sin, because if you're in rank sin, then God's will is for you to repent forsake sin, 
But if you're not in rank sin, you're just living life, trusting God, abiding in Him, wherever you are, whatever you're doing is the will of God. Like right now, you are listening to me. This is the will of God for your life, to sit there and listen to me. Isn't that great? That's the will of God. It is. You listen to the radio, this is the will of God for your life. To hear this message, to hear this word, to be where you are, what you're doing in the will of God. He lived in tents. You go, where am I supposed to live? Right here, Abraham, where your tent is. Yeah, but what about tomorrow? Right here. The will of God is for you to sojourn here, where you are there. And when you go there, God's will for you to be there. And when you go over there, God's will for you. And it just opens up this panorama of enjoying your relationship with the Lord. And you're not so worried about whether you're doing it right. Just do something. God will show you if it's wrong or not. Do something. Be willing to make a mistake. Be willing to fail. Step out. Give God a chance. Well, I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. We've heard that enough. Now do something. We've heard it enough. We've heard it enough. Well, I don't know what God, and I'm not sure. Okay. All right. All right. Now go do something for the Lord. Because he loves you still. It doesn't matter. Obey him in the moment. We'll break away from the message right here, but Pastor Ed Taylor has more to say, so don't go away. Today on Abounding Grace, we've been drawing life lessons from Abraham, who obeyed God even when it wasn't easy to do so. Listen to our programs online at AboundingGraceRadio.com and through the Calvary Church app. And thank you for remembering Abounding Grace in your giving to the Lord Every gift that comes in goes right to ministry. It plays an important role in helping us bring the truths of God's Word to the radio every day. And when you support the ministry today with a gift of $25 or more, we'll say thanks by sending you Depression, Looking Up from the Stubborn Darkness. We realize depression is a very real and common struggle, even among Christians. And God has the help you need. Edward Welch thoughtfully looks into depression, offering real and lasting hope to those that struggle. To order it today, call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. You can also go to calvaryco.store on the web, and there you can order our picks of the month. If you'd just like to make a donation to the ministry and are not interested in the book, you can donate safely and securely at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Now with some final reflections from Hebrews chapter 11, here's Pastor Ed. Learn from Abraham today, church, as we head out. Abraham's faith comes with a commitment, a commitment to follow. It involves listening, leaving, and an ongoing obedience. There has to be a leaving behind this present world, church, a clinging to the Lord, looking for heaven, eternally minded, heavenly minded so you can be earthly good. We are not citizens of earth trying to get to heaven. No, that's not. We are citizens of heaven trying to get through this world. This world is corrupt and evil at its core. The Bible says that the devil is the prince of the power of the air. There is nothing redeemable in this world apart from Jesus Christ. You will not find Jesus in anything except the believers that follow him. You won't find it in the structures of this world, the governments of this world. You will only find it in the people in which he dwells. That's how important you are. Even the United Nations we saw in our study in Daniel, you know, they, they quote the Bible, but they don't represent the Lord. And they don't even quote the whole thing. They misquote the Bible for their own purposes. And we learned in Daniel that we're introduced to this guy. He's known as the Antichrist, capital A. And he gets a lot of attention. 
People miss the rest of that verse where John says in 1 John that not only is the Antichrist coming, but many Antichrists have already come. And the word anti, if you're taking notes, has two definitions. The one is most popular. It means to be against. And so there's a lot in our culture that's against Christ, against Christ, against Christ, against Christ. Everywhere you turn, against Christ. And we get that. But secondly, that prefix anti also means in place of. And think about our culture that has tried to replace God. And I don't just mean our country. This is a global problem. This is a global problem because the gospel is global. And how many structures and how many processes and how many people have tried to replace Jesus Christ in the world and also in your life. And you see how important Hebrews is to keep your eyes firmly fixed on the Lord, your eternal reward, what's coming, so that you can enjoy what is now. Because wherever you are and whatever you're doing apart from sin is exactly the will of God for your life. And learn from Abraham because the will of God for your life and mine is to live by faith, trusting him, holding fast to him. Next time on Abounding Grace, Abraham is waiting and God is working. See how important that is in his life and yours as you join us tomorrow. This is amazing grace. This is Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora. 